Hi listeners, Rosalyn here. Just to let you know that we had some technical difficulties with sound quality when we were recording this show. It's not too bad and we're sure that you're still going to really enjoy listening to the interview, but we just wanted to let you know up front that sometimes it's not quite 100%. table and our second off the record show where we boldly go beyond the books and discuss all things star trek my name's michael and with me today i have a special co-host Feeve has joined me so instead of editing he's, he's jumped in front of the mic to help me today hi Feeve. hi michael how you doing yeah i'm, I'm really good thanks and uh, it's great to have you here thank you very much it's good to be back oh it's brilliant and uh, the first time we've actually discussed comics together so that's really good yeah, it is. And it's it's a bit of a change for the channel as well, because we've always been books with a little bit of TV shows, but it's good to do different things. And we're both very passionate about comics. So, you know, why not? And uh, for our first uh, off the record comic special, we, we actually have some really special guests with us because we're going to delve into the mirror universe. And we have a great team of artists and writers to talk to us about it so without further ado we'd like to welcome to the show uh comic book writers scott and david tipton hi guys hey there and we also have artist extraordinaire jk woodward hi jk hi and you can call me tina (laughs) (laughs) now you're gonna have to explain that joke (laughs) I, I'm just going to screenshot it and send it yeah, out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <A> screenshot. <laughs> don't, don't worry, JK. If you if you bore us, we're going to ask Tina to take over. Yes. Oh, don't, don't do that. <laughs> oh, you know, Tina is my other personality. <laughs> Well, there there've been rumours, but we didn't want to talk about them. <laughs> so, so for our for our listeners and for those who don't read the comics, the first question is why don't you read the comics? And hopefully, this podcast will, will make you want to read the comics. But um, Scott and David, can you just tell us um, a little bit about the Star Trek work you've done over the years? And, and I know we could have a show in itself to discuss just what you've done, but if you give us a few of the headline show uh, stories, sorry. Um, uh, over the last few years, David and I have been lucky enough to write for pretty much all parts of the Trek universe that, that we really, that we love. And they've given us opportunities for everything from classic to next generation to uh, Deep Space Nine. We get to write the fun crossovers like Doctor Who and Planet of the Apes and yeah, we 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 it's, it's the whole Trek universe has kind of gotten laid at our feet in the last few years, and it's been great. Uh, and more recently, I think kind of the subject of this podcast is we've been working on a series of mirror books in the Next Gen universe. Yeah, and and most recently the Q conflict. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, which was great fun too, and and we'll have to ask you back on for that to talk about that one. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> And uh, JK, what what have you done recently? Tell us about you. (laughs) (laughs) What have I done recently? You don't want to leave it that open. (laughs) 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 Uh, I I, I started doing uh, Trek books around, uh, I guess the same time as the Tiptons, around 2005, 2006. Whenever IDW got the license, I started doing the 
the one shots they used to do back in the day, the alien spotlights, the captain log, those kind of things. Um, but uh, everything uh, recently I've done has been with the Tiptons. So uh, we're sort of the dream team, <laughs> Star Trek folks. Uh, <laughs> so pretty much everything they mentioned. But what uh, I, I did, um, I did do a couple books uh, without them. That uh, the Mirror Voyager that or, oh, it was called uh, Mirrors and Smoke, and it was a mirror version of uh, Voyager. And uh, I just I'm currently working on, and it just got announced, it's coming out in November, is uh, Star Trek Year 5, Issue 17, which is an origin story about Gary Seven, which I'm, I'm really excited to work on. That's brilliant. Can't wait for that. JK, do you get to do any, uh, any Terry Gar in that one? Well, I'm not sure I'm <laughs> supposed to say, but no, no, no. Okay, it's okay. an origin story, so it's before. Okay, okay. If you remember that episode, he met Terry Gar. In that not one, knowing yeah. who she was in that episode, so it's yeah, it's before that. But oh, that's, but, uh, that's that episode is touched <laughs> yeah, upon. That's a shame. I, I really wanted to see paint some Terry Garland. But I did get, <laughs> I did get to draw a lot of a uh, 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 human ISIS. Oh, okay, good. Which was good. Just okay. as fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, can't wait to see that. When when will we start to get sneak sneak peek images, J.K.? Um. Uh, probably not till it comes out in November, so I probably can't show anything till November. But um, I imagine, I'll, you know, I'll check on that. The five pages before it comes out, so probably in October you'll see the first five pages, and the oh, first five pages are, are, are the best. Yeah. <laughs> all right. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> really selling it there, J.K. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Get the free preview. Why that's do it. they let me talk? <laughs> Oh dear. So before we start talking about Star Trek guys, obviously we're, we're in crazy times at the moment. So obviously we just wanted to check out how, how you're coping with uh, lockdown and getting back into things slowly and, and, and everything that's been happening. Uh, California is a little tricky just because, I mean, speaking for myself, LA, uh, I mean, we've been pretty much shut down for, for five or six months now. And uh, thanks to the wonder of restaurant delivery, and uh, my day job being able to be done via uh, working from home, I've been getting through it okay. It's scary times, but we're all doing good. That's excellent. No. I, I personally uh, had to live off commissions for a while because comics had slowed down, Diamond shut down there for a little while. Um, so I, was, I spent about a month and a half, it was a pretty scary time not getting any work. But uh, like I said, I lived off commissions and uh, use my spare time to uh, actually plant a garden. I've never done that before. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I got lucky because during the, uh, right before the pandemic, right before everything shut down, I had moved to a small rural town in Maine from Los Angeles. So uh, things aren't as bad in small rural towns. <laughs> oh, that's good. And David, you're doing well, yeah? Yeah, not no real changes for me. I've been still working at home. I mean, it, it's difficult, and now we've got to deal with all the fires and the smoke in the air, but um, it's been an interesting 2020, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you've still got the best to come with the election, 74 <laughs> days to go. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, dear. Good, good luck, guys. <laughs> we can't comment, Michael. We've got Brexit coming soon, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why don't we screwed. all start loading our shotguns now? <laughs> <laughs> you guys have your own cluster mess coming up to deal with, so we're all yeah. in the same boat. <laughs> you, you have a Trump and we have a Boris. <laughs> Not to brag. Yeah. <laughs> is, is Trump the Earth 2 Boris or is Boris the Earth 2 Trump? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think oh, Boris is the poor clone. <laughs> <laughs> they, they both came from the same bad hairpiece. <laughs> uh, oh dear. So um, let, let's jump in. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, let's jump in. Um, so, so far for the listeners, um, uh, 
Scott and David and JK together have worked on uh, Mirror Broken, which was five issues. Plus we had the Origin of Data special. And then also there was a free comic book day prelude. Mm -hmm. We also had Through the Mirror, which was five issues. And we also had Terra Incognito, which was six issues. So it's actually spanned uh, 5, 12, 18 issues, uh, the saga so far. Now, that's a really big story to do over, over a couple of years. So I think the first question's got to be, how, how did um, it all come about with IDW? Well, primarily, it all came about through JK. Yeah. Basically, um, I, I just designed the look of the characters for uh, a product style guide for CBS. Um, they were doing a Mirror Universe style guide and, and there was no um, official, anyways, there were some novels, but there was no official um, Mirror Universe for TNG. So they had me design some characters. Um, and then uh, once, once the look came about, me and Scott and David started talking and that's, that's usually where uh, things take shape. And the idea was for them to use those designs that you were doing with them for like merchandising purposes, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, so the mirror universe was out there before there was a story behind it, but we figured we should get in front of this and get a comic out there as, as soon as possible. And I, I think and, that's really where it came from. Yeah. Right, I, yeah. I'm not sure. I, I know I brought it up to uh, uh, John Red Sitters over at CBS. So like, we should do a comic about this. And uh, I think you guys could approach that. Well, wasn't there a point, J.K., when John Ben Sitters had actually had a Picard or a Riker figure made up in the mirror kind of <laughs> yeah. uh, uniform, right? <laughs> yeah. So we 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 had the uh, we had this meeting um, uh, with CBS about the, the style guide, and there were some designers there, and then of course John Ben Sitters was there, and I was there, and we were talking about the direction of where we we're going to go with the Mirror Universe style guide, and. Uh, John didn't say anything right away, but he had an action figure sitting on the table in front of us. And it was a modded uh, Picard piece where he ripped the sleeves off and put a sash from the Dark Phoenix 12-inch uh, <laughs> on top of it. And he had painted a little goatee on it. And I'm like, <laughs> and I, I happened to look at it and I was like, that's my Picard. And he was like, I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, Van Sitter... <laughs> Uh, in case you might not know, Van Sears is one of the, the licensing heads at, at CBS for Star Trek. And he had a great deal of input with you as far as designing those characters, right? Oh, sure. I mean, he pretty much designed Picard. Uh, the only <laughs> thing I did was add muscles <laughs> or add more muscles. But um, yeah, um, with everything else, it was pretty much uh, a, the, the typical back and forth where I would do a bunch of designs and then they would either approve or or, or or come back with notes or something and and the rest of it was like back and forth but the um, the idea part was 100 percent john Sitter's little doll <laughs> that's <Yeah. Adam. laughs> that's cool and what was great then, about it for yeah david for david and i go ahead well what happened next is that that style guide which was quite well developed got sent along to me and to scott and then we talked about that with jk and we sort of fleshed out the characters into uh real personalities that went along with the art and um then we talked about that with jk because we wanted to be sure that what was going to be uh, fleshed out was something that was consistent with jk's ideas and jvc's ideas too for that matter so from there, I think, Scott, we actually made a sort of story guide that went along with that um, digital art guide. Is that right? Yeah, well, because well, it, it, it was so unusual to get to work this way, where we were just presented with these concepts that visually were so striking, but otherwise were blank slates. Yeah. And so you and I would take the characters that, that we'd seen and kind of come up with backstories and character bits. And yeah. then we would run them by JK. Is this what you were thinking? But make sure that we're not right. going against something that was kind of in his mind about it. And then we can put that together with some kind of rough, rough angles about, about where the story would go to go with the style guy. Yeah, and the main thing I was uh, concerned about when we first started talking to, because I, I had backstories for the characters. You can't help but do that when you spend them, that much time drawing them. Um, I pretty much didn't kind of impose what I thought about the characters because I wanted to see what you guys came up with. The only thing I wanted to make sure about is I put board parts on data and I wanted to make sure 
it was clear that data wasn't assimilated by the Borg, that he had assimilated Borg parts into his programming. Uh, other than that, I, I was like, yeah, whatever you guys want to do. And I think we, so we flashed out, I think there was a, a sort of uh, a written character guide that uh, went along with that. And then, then from there, we fleshed out the story for the first series. And that also involves uh, working with JK and trying to make sure that what we were getting across from that, that design guide also meshed up with the, with, the, with the story guide we put together. So like Scott said, it, it was, it was a, definitely a, a different way of working with things because, and one of the things that's, that, that I like really a lot about doing the mirror stories is we are not so caught up in canon as we are with normal Star Trek. And so with regular Star Trek, it can be very difficult at times on the writing side because you've got to get everything to fit in right exactly in the canon. And if it doesn't fit in, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> and with, with a mirror story, we've got some flexibility so we can have Geordi act in some ways that you might not expect. And that's great. And that's fun. And, and I think, I think one of the reasons why uh, the story, these stories have, have done pretty well is that, uh, there's a little more room for some unusual things. And that's, yeah. that's, that, that's where some creativity comes in, I think. Yeah, because you, the, for, for readers, the characters are familiar, but because it's Mirror and there was never any Mirror Next Generation material on the series, it's still a completely blank slate and we can take them in new places. Uh, aside from the point from, about canon, the other good thing about writing in the Mirror Universe is people can make bad decisions for the wrong reasons and it doesn't feel like a violation of like the Roddenberry ethos. You know, you could have characters just be absolutely corrupt and vicious and it's, it's great and it takes you places. Yeah, and yeah. one of the things, yeah, one of the things we found out about that is that, uh, you know, the mirror universe is not an opposite universe. The characters are in a different environment and they have different ethics, but they're not always the exact opposites. And sometimes that, leads to some interesting things like one of the things we found out as we sort of started using the Picard character is that uh, unlike uh, Prime Picard, uh, Mirror Picard is actually really good at dealing with people <laughs> and that is introduces a whole different kind of dynamic to the way things work out than you're used to with dealing with regular Picard who's actually quite awkward. The yeah. other thing I like that you guys did is, is is Jordy was uh, much less socially awkward, particularly with, with women. Um, yeah. He was a lot, he seemed to be a lot more comfortable in his own skin than he was on Next Generation, and it was nice to see that. Yeah, because like David said, there's a t there can be a temptation to think it's bizarro world, where it's not. It's not opposite. It's just these characters in a different environment brought up by different, uh, by a, a different surroundings, and how would they react to that? I think he said in, in uh, one of the issues, is, is it nurture or nature? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sums it up, doesn't it, really? Yeah, and, and you can have, and, and one of the biggest surprises, I think, David, you would, you would uh, agree, was when we first started this, because, I mean, he wasn't even in the design packet, we never expected Barkley to be our linchpin to the mirror universe. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> Jakey's laughing. <laughs> no. Oh no, I was I was thrilled when I saw that script. I'm like, Barkley, oh, I forgot about him. <laughs> because, because initially it was planned as a five issue series, and then they kind of spring. Oh, by the way, we also need a free comic book day issue, and we need it like next week. So yeah, we had to put we, that. We had we to put had to that, that very fast. quickly. <laughs> yeah, and so we decided, well, we'll use Barkley as our way in, and he could be our viewpoint character. And, and I we, think I, at that initial part, we thought Barkley was going to be a throwaway thing for just issue zero. Yeah, I, I thought, think we, we, thought. We, we thought we'd be done with him. And yeah, that, that, that turned out not to be the case at all. <laughs> oh, people, people liked uh, Mirror Barkley better than Barkley. And the, yeah. the thing I love that you did, and, and we, you, you, just, you just said this, it's not an opposite universe. It's a, it's a mirror universe. It's there, it's, uh, so your Barkley was still not good around people, <laughs> but in a much more deadlier way. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. He was a sociopath. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, 
loved it. And and in that free comic book day prelude, poor Tasha, she seems to die in every universe. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, David, I think this was your joke, but some things don't change. <laughs> I, I thought that wasn't going to change one bit. <laughs> But I like what we did see of her. I kind of liked having Yara as kind of like alpha dog bullying character. <laughs> I think you gave her yeah, you she, gave her giant biceps too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I think she, she I think she kidney punches. She does, yeah. yeah. No, punch him right in the gut. Yeah, that was one of my favorite panels to draw. I really enjoyed that one. The two panels I liked the best in that issue was was drawing her punching Barkley in the gut and then Barkley stabbing her in the back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Oh dear. And I modeled her look after her build was sort of Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Yes, I, I remember, remember that. that. There you go. <laughs> all shoulders. All shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, so but going back one step before uh, this one, this actually wasn't your first time in the Mirror Universe, was it? Because you actually did uh, 2008, you did mirror images, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, way, way back. That way was, back. That, 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 yeah, that was the, the mirror, mirror Pike and Mirror Kirk story. However, issue four was a complete breakaway, and that told the story of Mirror Picard and how he took command of the Stargazer. Do you see that has almost the prelude to the prelude now, uh, looking back? It's sure. an interesting question. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe? I mean, I don't know you if JVC. I don't know if JVC remembered that issue, or but yeah, I, we did do that issue. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I normally never go back and look at our old stuff. I did look at that one recently, and there's nothing in there that story that story couldn't have happened. So it does fit. But actually, I mean, uh, I think whenever we started doing this, I had kind of forgotten we ever did that. <laughs> and our, I mean, our our vision of 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 Mira Picard it came entirely from JK's. Uh, uh, exactly. Yeah. Option. Yeah. It it just turned it turned to be happy stance that what we did didn't contradict that old story. <laughs> but, right. but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend there was a straight line. <laughs> it sounds like JK is the brains behind the outfit for this adventure. <laughs> God help us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I just draw the pretty pictures. <laughs> so in terms of characters, did you each have a favorite Mirror Universe character? Uh, for example, Jellico, seeing Jellico, he just seemed almost just as bad in this universe as he did in the Prime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so which one of your was your favorite character? Um, the stuff I, I enjoyed the most, and again, it surprised me, was Barkley. But I, I love the Barkley, the, the way the Barkley data relationship evolved. Barkley, because usually we expect to go in as doing data and Geordi like you do, but for some reason, Barkley and data just kind of fell together in a way. I mean, that sounds really, really compelling to write. It was probably Barkley and data for me, too. I mean, it, it, there's a reason why they ended up being so much at the, at the center of a lot of these stories. Even if, to the later series, there's still a whole lot of Barkley and data. And I, I've also really liked the Picard in there. I, I think I mentioned the one thing earlier. I, I like the fact that he's he's not like Prime Picard. He's he's actually good at working with people. He actually he actually asks about his people. He gets involved. He he actually has a bit, a bit of intuition. All the things you don't see in Prime Picard, which is kind of fascinating yeah. to because you know you think oh mirror picard he's just gonna be evil and dark and bad and he is but he's actually he's actually got this kind of thoughtful side to him which which prime yeah. picard sometimes doesn't have <laughs> he's so more, I, I like he's, that a lot he's more empathic than, than prime picard as far yeah. as yeah. as far as what his people are doing and and in relationships and stuff yeah yeah i'm gonna say i i uh originally when i was just designing the characters uh, it was mostly Jordy and Data that were my favorite because they were like visually interesting to me. Uh, and, and I started reading what you guys were coming up with. Uh, I, Picard was an interesting paradox because Prime Picard would almost fit better in the Mirror Universe in that he prefers to be alone in the Mirror Universe. You don't work with people because they all stab you in the back. 
you know, so, so he kind of almost fits in better in the mirror universe. And this Picard would probably fit better in because he had more of a spirit of cooperation. Um, so I, I enjoyed that irony. Um, and I want to say, uh, I, I agree with you guys about the relationship. I think Barkley, the second I read that first script, became my favorite character. The idea of like Barkley, the sociopath, was uh, compelling. I even gave him kind of like that slick back sociopath haircut. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the American um, psycho hair, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but I, I, I think in, in the end, um, I, it's the Troy Riker relationship because, and because in my head canon, there was more there that I hope we eventually touch upon because they did that same thing they did in the pilot. They touched upon the fact that they have a past. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I want to find out where Riker got the scar. I want to, you know, you know I want yeah. to find out uh, yeah. exactly how he and Troy met. I want to find out Inquisitor Troy, what, what she does with her, uh, with her Betazoid powers, what she's capable of. Um, so there was, I think from the idea of potential, I really enjoyed these characters because I was, because when I'm working on characters, I'm thinking about what can we eventually do with them more than what I enjoyed in the actual story. So I'm kind of excited for these characters and I hope, uh, hope we do a lot more with them in the future. Yeah, and there, there's actually some backstory there that we've talked about with me and Scott and JK about Troy and Riker. They just, they haven't had a chance to come up in the stories so far, but yeah, the, the, and I think JK's right. There's something interesting there too. Uh, I, I'll throw in one of my favorite scenes in the whole book is the Picard-Riker fist fight from issue with issue two or three. <laughs> That's just, it's a, an epic. Um, Put on the glasses. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the Baylor fight, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it was a good punch-up brawl, that one. And I, I thought it was fantastic to see Picard in such a physical kind of, you know, down and dirty fight. And then at the end, you see the two of them kind of come together and it's kind of a mutual understanding of, yeah, you kicked my ass and I kicked your ass. And, okay, we're on the same page kind of idea. And I, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I thought that was that was really fit in well with the Mirror Universe, the way the way that that, that played out. I I. I and I really like the art on that too. I thought it was just great. I, I lifted most of those action scenes from uh, They Live. Good. <laughs> There's not a lot of suplexes in most Star Trek fights. I think we have at least two suplexes in there. Oh, when I read that in the script, oh, I can't wait to do this. <laughs> just a quick one for, for JK. See, when you were designing data with the Borg kind of implants, what was the thought behind that? Was it because it looks cool and impressive, or were you going for something else with that? Oh, you know me so well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> initially, it's because everybody in the mirror universe has to be non-symmetrical. So whether it's a scar or an eye patch or something that kind of sets them off, so I was like, I can't give Data an eye patch. I'm already, I already got Riker with the milky eye. Uh, you know, not everybody can have an injured eye. Uh, my, my idea for the eye patch was the Borg eye. But as I started thinking about that, I started thinking, well, this, in my mind, this Data is just like the other Data. He wants to be more human, but his view of humanity in this universe is humans want, are trying to be the best weapon they can be. So he wanted to be the best weapon he could be. And so he started playing with board parts. And, and that was kind of my headcanon while I was creating the character. He uh, somehow discovered board parts and, and incorporated nanites or whatever into, in, into his own positronic system and uh, started playing around and trying to make himself a, a, a bigger, badder data. And then Scott and I sort of took that and we knew that background from JK. And we kind of felt like, you know, this data sort of sees himself almost like a micronaut. He's like, oh, let me try this arm out. Let me, let me, let me swap this one for whatever, hey. whatever I have to, whatever I have to do today, I'll use this particular piece. <laughs> and, remember and that what, remember what Sarah called her? Thing to do. You remember know, what Sarah what called him? Sarah say? She called him Lego no. data. <laughs> Lego data. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly it. And we you know we didn't anticipate. I mean, there's there's a couple scenes later on where he's like, well, you can tell he's going to take use this arm for this application. And he's like, well, this is what I'm going to use today. And that ended up kind of kind of being a fun aspect of the way that data thought. Um, in other words, he sort of thought of himself as well. This this will be this will be today's uh, <laughs> today's tool I need for what yeah. I've got to do. It's very utilitarian. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, and I think it was in the very first in the free comic day issue where we have we kind of Barkley giving his tour of the ship to the reader, and we see this one great page shot of Data working in his quarters, and behind him hanging on the wall are a rack of spare arms. <laughs> and no, I, no, I, I, had, I had them hanging like a meat locker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think I remember we actually got the note back from CVS and JVC, and Jerry's like, "Wait, is he like a micronaut?" <laughs> <laughs> And we were kind of like, well, yeah, is there a problem with that? (laughs) No, I guess. (laughs) He would would also struggle every day with what shoes go with this arm. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing I found about data in this entire run, the prime data always kind of gets in his own way with his thinking and trying to think things through. And you know, his kind of quest for humanity. And he always overthinks. I always found this data to be a, a lot more clinical. And yeah. I actually found yeah. that to be even more frightening in a way than Lore, because Lore's doing it because he's kind of out of control and he's a little bit dark. But this data was just so to the point And, you know, if there was an obstruction, it wasn't, how can I move this out of the way? It's, right, this is in the way. I'm going to destroy this and move on with my day in the simplest way possible. And if that meant I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you. And I just thought that was such a big swing from the prime data that it was really kind of scary and terrifying in a way when you compare the two of them. There is usually in each series one scene with uh, Mira Data where he has a revelation about, oh, this is how I'm going to think about things going forward. And I think we try to put one of those in each one of the series. And they're, they're kind of showing that evolution of his thought. You know, when, when we first see uh, Mirror Data, he's kind of a blank slate in a way. And in that, that Loot Crate episode really has him like he's, he's pretty much just an automaton. And every step along the way in each series, we, like there's a scene where uh, I think in the first series where he suddenly just takes over some computer terminal and, 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 and does something on his own. And, and everybody else is kind of shocked about it. And we've tried to keep that going on through the rest of the series as well. And that fits in with this whole idea about him being sort of flexible about what army needs to use. And he becomes flexible about what kind of, what kind of thinking yeah. he needs too. I think you put it, you put it perfectly where he, this data doesn't get in his own way as Mm-mm. much because, because he has that kind of direct way of thinking. Yeah. Also, in my mind, uh, the lesson he learns from humanity in this universe is much simpler than the lessons yes. of humanity in the prime universe. It's all about winning, and that's really your only goal, whatever right. it takes to get there. You know, since the 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 mirror way of thinking is the ends justify the means, this is why yeah. that this data picks up on that and runs with it. <laughs> yeah. The and the again, response... no, go on, J.K. I was going to say, and, and again, this isn't an opposite universe. This is the same data in a different environment. And this is what he would evolve into, you know. You mentioned Loot Crate special. And I was just wondering, how did that come about? Because obviously the response to, the, to this series was um, really positive. Hence, uh, hence the sequel and, and the sequel after. But how did that come about? This series was already, we were under the gun because there was a whole other project planned that got pulled and then it got switched to this very suddenly. So we, all of a sudden we had a deadline to meet for the free comic book day and for the number one. And, and we were, David and I were already just, just cranking out scripts. And then we would just go, Hey, guess what? Loot Crate wants a whole other issue. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Yeah, and and that, that happened to hit right at the time when Loot Crate was kind of at its biggest. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was really peak Loot Crate. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it was a, it was a big deal for the company because that was a huge guaranteed sale. So we we couldn't say no. Oh, we're too busy now. We got to this out now. But yeah. you couldn't. I had to because I think I was on issue two at the time, and there's no yeah. way I could do both pages. No, yeah, but I, no, did, no. I begged like I, I I begged like a pig for that cover though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that cover is great. <laughs> it's one of my favorite covers to date because I finally got to draw. Uh, what Data's face looks like underneath. Because they always show his skull, but they never show his face. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I decided he had yellow-white sinew underneath his skin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh. in, in a perfect world, you could have done that issue, too, so there'd be a continuity to the whole book. But that was Josh Hood, right, David? I think it was. And, I think and, that was and the art was fantastic. He, yeah, he yeah. came in. He had, he had to come in late and, and hit the ground running, and he did a great job on it. 
It was yeah. really good. Was it an easy option to, not easy option, but was it an easy choice to have the origin of data for that special then? I think, I don't think we even had a choice. I think it was a, it was a robot month at Loot Crate. So it, had it, was. Robot <laughs> it, was, it was robot month. I think it came with some little robots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, made, it made the choice of what to do much easier. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to the second, second series, uh, which was through the mirror, this took a slightly different approach because we had um, two stories, one set in the prime universe, and one set in the mirror universe uh, a few months before the one in the prime. What, what was the thought process and, and approach to this one? Well, when, once again, this is a publishing thing, right, David? They're partially a publishing thing and then also partially, there's always this kind of back and forth about people keep asking, well, all, don't all mirror stories have to go back for between the prime universe, and the mirror universe and JK and Scott and I'm like, I think they should stay in the mirror universe. We're having, this, this is good stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think that, that bringing it back and having some prime connections is part of what was going on there too. And yeah, what was, was the publisher connection you were thinking of Scott? The, the reaction to the series was so good and they immediately wanted to follow up, but it was weekly. So we had to, we had to write these scripts fast. Mm -hmm. And there's no way JK could do the art for, for a weekly book, but he could do the, the backup stories in each issue. And so, so we, they were, so it, was, it was very much suggested to us that this should be Prime versus Mirror. And so we, uh, with that, we just hit the ground running with that fast. But again, we, we, we have, we're cranking up five issues by five different artists to get them all kind of done at the same time. So it was, it was, right. it was crazy. And, yeah, but, by, right. but by doing I a backup believe... story, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I can't believe uh, Sarah, the editor at the time, could keep her sanity through all this because she know. had to deal with yeah. five artists it, at it, once. It, 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 was, it was difficult. <laughs> and the, the funny thing about it, I think Scott and I were looking at it again recently, is, is for this is the one I think, Scott, what we said, surprisingly, the artists, um, they all kind of fit together in a way more than you might have thought. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're very different styles. And we hadn't worked with any of them before. And they were all kind of working at the same, they even had to crank out these scripts crazy fast to get them all working. And then we wanted to have the backup story so we can keep JK involved in it. So he would get like three pages an issue. And yeah, uh, we, we haven't said enough yet about how great Sarah Gatos, our editor on these two series, yeah. was at just from, from, from top to bottom, she was a fantastic influence on the series. I, I remember us all being really- Yeah, that was quite a- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was quite a juggling act for her, for especially that weekly series. I mean, and uh, kudos for bringing back the uh, backup story. That's very yes. Bronze Age. <laughs> yes. I uh, yes. lo love these backup stories. <laughs> it, it sounds like the second through the mirror just sounded a lot more stressful than the first series to produce because of those deadlines. Yeah, it was. I remember there would be days when I would get like four different emails with pages from like three different artists to approve. <laughs> and I couldn't keep track of what issue was from what. It was, it was crazy. And on top of that, um, because of the, the, um, the backup story, it meant Scott and I had fewer pages to get the regular story into, which was a good and a bad thing. And in one, in one way, it's good because like, well, at least we don't have to write as much. But it also means you've got tighter constraints on, on what on your space. And then we were also juggling on top of that, working with JK on what that storyline was going to be for the other part, for the backup story. So yeah, there was a lot of work on that one. Yeah. But it was also uh, some of my favorite covers I ever did on that one too, because that was that the was one we had the interlocking covers. covers. Yeah, yeah. That, that was your... We did... Uh, yeah. Yep. We, that was the... the uh, I, I took my cue from the... Uh, what was that? The Marvel Handbook, where all the covers yes. fit together right. as one. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you remember, JK, we saw that at Destination Star Trek, all framed in, yeah. in the gallery area. Yep. Yep. Why don't you post that picture with this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we took a picture too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you would have loved it, guys. It was um, the, the guy who organized the, the convention bought, bought a lot of JK's artwork. And what JK didn't know is that there was actually uh, a gallery and, it, and a small area for all the, all the people attending the convention to go to. And um, it was full of JK's artwork. 
including this special picture and because JK didn't know so I dragged him across and and it was a special moment you see in all that wasn't it yeah. JK yeah it w well normally when I sell my art I never see it again and here I am in Birmingham England <laughs> <laughs> there it is hanging on the wall <laughs> that's, he did that's a beautiful job cool. he, he, I think he put them all in one big frame right yeah he did a big he vertical did. frame he put them all together in one oh, big wow. frame yeah yeah so it was a big 10 foot <laughs> yeah. uh, painting yeah it was beautiful. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, those those covers were special. Um, what I did like about that story was that you kept it in the same continuity as your Doctor Who crossover with Star Trek. <laughs> how, how, did, how did you get away with that? <laughs> or did no one notice? We didn't tell anybody we were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it came up in passing we wanted to use goggles and use that island again. And I think there's actually even a caption that says, uh, it refers to the Doctor Who oh, yeah, story, it, it, right? Yeah, it's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we, we didn't just show it. We actually put a note, we put an old like Marvel, <laughs> Marvel's eight, 70s style C, um, Star Trek Doctor Who right in the in the caption box. I, I was surprised we got away with it. <laughs> you know, the old saying is it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> I think what we did is we just did it, didn't say anything about it and it, it yeah. just went on through. <laughs> if we would have asked, they would have said no. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, but we just did it. Like, oh, if they don't like it, they'll take it out. That's fine. But if we're using goggles, no matter what. I love goggles. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, um, we really do see the differences in the um, universes in the, in this second story. And I think what really highlighted that was that attack on the Andorian ship. That was quite vicious, and and it was drawn really well. Yeah, um, and that yeah. came across so. Because in the first series, you almost felt sorry for, for them because they're struggling, humanity's on the verge of collapse, they've got this rust bucket of a ship, they're trying, trying to fight for their lives. But in this story, you see how bad they really are. Yeah. I was just looking to see. That was, that was Chris Johnson who did the art. Yeah. 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 I liked Chris Johnson's art a lot. It was great. I, I really wanted, uh, there's a lot of scenes in there. I, I liked uh, little things he got like, uh, there's a scene where the, the one Andorian's recovering and his antenna has been bent out of shape. And I, I, I asked Chris to try to make it so that he's trying to straighten out his antenna and it, it, it worked really well. I, I liked it a lot. And there's yeah, also it, a, great, a great scene in there where we see the, 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 view, the viewer of the starship is broken. It just shows this giant red X, which is like, you know, the equivalent of like a blue screen and windows or something. It's like, this, this, is, this is a sign that means something is brutally wrong with your starship. <laughs> and it's just before, it, just, just before it, it, it starts to go into meltdown, so. Yeah. That, that bit with the, with the bent antenna, Chris gave, gave the Andorian this like look of bruised dignity almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He just, he just nailed it. He was great. Yeah. With, with that story, I just have to ask with the second part, the Spock story, you left it very, very um, ambiguous as if to know, is Spock dead? Yes, we did. We left, we left yeah. it very ambiguous. You did. Indeed. And <laughs> 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 we'll leave it there. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that's that's a good one. So, J.K., we haven't spoken much about the art yet, but um, looking at the um, in the second series and obviously the first one, how, how long was a, an average issue to um, paint? Well, I, I used a different style. I did more of a pen and ink style and a digital coloring on this. Uh, it still had a painterly kind of look to it because um, I didn't want it to be too jarring. But I wanted to do something that could be a little bit quicker because, as you said. Uh, mentioned before, we were kind of under pressure to get this done. So I came up with a new art style, which used uh, uh, mostly pen and ink and some ink wash and uh, a bunch of digital trickery uh, to get it done. So I, I went much faster with these. I, I think uh, in, in the end, I think it was five issues. I did four page stories on each one. And so it was like a regular issue. It was a 20 page story. Uh, and I managed to get that done within five weeks. So it was much quicker than the, the painted stuff, which usually takes me about six weeks. Wow, that's good. And uh, how many Easter eggs did you plant across the, the series? Because I'm sure I saw Dayton Ward in one of them, but I could have been mistaken. I think in the first or second issue, it really looked like Dayton Ward in one frame, the, the author, if you know him. 
I think you know Dayton, don't you? We know Dayton now. I don't think we knew him then. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna get. I'm just gonna highlight it now to Dayton and say, Dayton, yeah. it's like I you. <laughs> I don't know that I did that intentionally, but uh, <laughs> but there were there were definitely some Easter eggs, but they were in the script. Um, we 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 meet Data's cat Spot. <laughs> yes. In the mirror <laughs> and it's basically a saber-toothed tiger mixed with a, a I don't know what. A giant lynx. <laughs> yeah, a giant lynx, yeah. <laughs> oh dear, that was good. And, and I thought I saw you in there, JK, as well. I think, again, the first issue on the Stargazer, when um, it, the Intendant is, not Intendant, when the Inquisitor is left in command, and the guy with the goatee at, at Ops or the con, it really looked like you as well. Was that you? Was that supposed to be have. you? Yeah. <laughs> I might have. <laughs> hey, wouldn't you? <laughs> Always. <laughs> I put everybody else I know in these comics. I might as well put myself in once in a while. <laughs> so, JK, going on to the third series, obviously uh, you did the, you did some covers, but you weren't there for this one. Is that, was, that, was there a no. reason? And, or? I think I... I I think I might have been, that might have been the time I started working with Peter David on the uh, Stargazer story. I don't know. I, 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 for whatever reason, I wasn't available. Um, otherwise, I, I would have I, I been involved or I would have at least screamed and begged to be involved. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, working with JK is always our, is always our preference. So I, I think yeah. it was a scheduling issue. But we didn't yeah. get, get you on covers, though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always available for covers. <laughs> and with Terry, Terry Incognito, um, obviously the success of the first one led to the second. And, and in the second, you'd already started to plant the seeds. So was it as you were writing the second, you were told, yes, you've got the third? No, it was just, it was just the opposite. We did the whole uh, forgiveness, not permission thing again, where we just decided to end that issue, swap with the Barclays. We sent in the script and said, well, if they go for it, we know we got another series. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, there was, that was exactly how it worked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they don't like it, they'll make us change it. But otherwise, we're, we're, we're leaving with, with, with Mary Barkley because that means we get a job for another while longer. <laughs> Uh, and and the third series itself again it was very it was a subtle infiltration of of Barclay and and the way the story progressed was very very subtle in the sense that you didn't have um full impact mirror universe if that makes sense was was that a deliberate thing again or you just I think in part we sort of wanted mirror Barclay to be kind of seduced by the prime universe but also repelled by it and you know when he goes and he sees spot the cat and it's just a nice friendly kind of teddy bear kind of a cat as opposed to the the saber-toothed tiger that link that, that that jk was talking about he's sort of put off by it but on another hand sometimes he likes the way that things work in the prime universe and so we wanted that that back and forth and we thought that was important but i think you see all the way to the end that he's he's still mirror barkley <laughs> it doesn't entirely change but like to, to speak to what David just said, part of the way we showed that is by the halfway point of the series, he can't even bring himself to murder the real, the prime Barkley. If he had done that, no one would have ever known that there's that, nothing. But, but I, I think it's because of the influence of being in that universe, he couldn't bring himself to kill him. That and also, I always thought there's a little bit of having to kill yourself is a kind of weird sort of suicide. Yeah. And I, I didn't feel like he, at least I felt like he certainly struggled with it. And I think, I think there were even some people who commented about the fact that, well, he would have just killed him. Like, well, but he's killing himself. I mean, that's not all that easy to do. It's kind of a strange thing. And, and you um, even gave yeah. him a line uh, about that, David, where he says, uh, even I couldn't bring myself to do that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was a weird put a part of this story that um, uh, we only kind of came to grips with when we, when we did issue, the first issue. We thought, well, this is actually going down an interesting road. I mean, he's actually got himself in his own quarters and what's he going to do about it? So, yeah. <laughs> this, is what, yeah. this is what comes of the kind of thing where you just, you just End of the last series and not really think about well now what are we going to do because we, now we got Barkley and that little stuck in his, in his chambers for that entire series. 
So we had to find ways around that sort of thing. And it also worked out really well because Barkley, even in the Prime universe, everybody sort of looks at him like mm, Barkley. And so yeah. uh, there, there's, an, uh, there's a weird kind of thing here where it seems like sometimes the people are kind of liking Mirror Barkley better. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I thought that was an interesting dynamic also. I find that act of mercy of, of Barkley not killing himself, I, I interpreted that as kind of like his sociopathic narcissism. That's <laughs> yeah, what yeah. I'm thinking. <laughs> exactly. Less than mercy, more like I can't kill that good-looking guy. <laughs> no, that's just it. I mean, if you are the ultimate narcissist, well, are you going to kill yourself? I, I don't know yeah. if you could do that. And so he right. goes into this elaborate trouble, like to put himself inside a, a, um, a basically like a, a, a self-sustaining uh, suspension chamber, which is a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's yeah. It, it, it was it was an odd story that that I don't think when we were starting this story we were we were originally anticipating, but it kind of played out when we were looking at that character and what he would do. And again, it goes back to the prelude issue where where you started with Barclay as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's another example too of how, you know, going back to what JK was saying earlier, we didn't anticipate Barkley being uh, quite as important as he turned out to be for these. So would you, would you like to return to the Mirror Universe now? Because again, the story's left open again with Picard knowing where, where Mirror Picard, I should say, can, can find a, a fleet. Um, so that part was left open and from, from, the reader's point of view, two of the stories have been in the Prime Universe now. Do you actually want to go back and have a story set in the Mirror Universe? Perhaps the Prime goes to the Mirror this time. Well, we always have more fun when it's kind of just sticking with the Mirror Universe stuff. I, I, yeah. I, I always think that whenever the, the, the two cross over, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like just playing with that in the Mirror Universe by itself, personally. Yeah, yeah there's more uh, yeah. creative freedom in the Mirror yeah, Universe. It's the freedom, totally. Yeah. I mean, as soon as we started doing the ones that switch back and forth, uh, it gives us more restrictions about how we handle things too. So, yeah, I think so. Is there anything in the pipeline in the Mirror Universe? Can Can you tell us? Or you never know. I mean, uh, we we love working together, and we love we love this this version of the character. So, uh, time will tell. And and the the Voyager story that's obviously come about because of the success of this series yeah. of, of what you've done and um again again not you know crushing eggshells or anything how comes you guys weren't given that project or was that just because of scheduling yeah i'm not sure what happened i i found out about the project when they asked me if i wanted to do it and i guess uh the script is already written um yeah i'm not sure what the, that process was happening um behind the scenes for me i just knew i got the script and they told me to go to work that's it wasn't quite the way me and and scott and david work where i was involved in in the planning stages you know i just it was yeah. it was a job yeah and <laughs> not, then, not that i didn't have fun with it because i had done plenty of commissions doing like mirror voyager stuff before so i would i really liked playing in that mirror universe um for Voyager, but but yeah, it wasn't like where me and Scott and David work where we, we, you know, I sat behind the scenes and knew what was going on. Yeah, David and I were cranking away on the Q conflict, which was a giant project. Yeah. And then uh, the kind of the first we heard about it was kind of when it was announced. Wow. Well, well of course, the sequel I'm waiting for, guys, is the um, Star Trek Planet of the Apes sequel. <laughs> you and me both, brother. <laughs> That's the one I want. <laughs> The return well, of the primate director. <laughs> I'm so in. I love that series. That was awesome. Yeah. That was great fun. We would love to go back with that and then and get JK with us on that one. That'd be yeah. fantastic. Oh. I will beg. I will beg. <laughs> <laughs> we we have a we have a story ready to go, so if you don't want anybody to boom. <laughs> 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 So if you guys got your pick of another, you know, Star Trek property, because obviously you've got Discovery now, you've got Picard, you've got Lower Decks, and you've got um, Strange New Worlds coming up. With all these new shows, is there anything there that interests you in doing a, a future story? 
in terms of, um, uh, Dave, do you have any, uh, any thoughts? <laughs> um, Strange New World sounds very interesting. I mean, the problem is they actually, actually haven't even started shooting it yet. So, but uh, of, of, of the ones that you mentioned, that's the one that I think sounds particularly interesting to me. Um, and they've said it would be a lot like traditional Star Trek, uh, which episodic. would be interesting, more episodic. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that one plays out. Yeah, what I was going to say was that uh, as much as the, uh, I like all the new shows, working on a show that's still in production is really hard for the side yeah. guys like us. So it's, it, 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 there's even more constraints about what you can do. Because they, it's not even that you're contradicting. It's like, well, we might do something like that later in the season, stay away from this. And so yeah. that, would, that would be the only reason I would kind of like, until one of those series is done, and finished with completely, I would be more comfortable working with the stuff where yeah. we know what the rules are. Yeah, it's it's also very difficult. It, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say nowadays, um, uh, unlike any time before, uh, there's a synergy between the current shows and what's happening in the comics. So you end up working with writers in the writers' room too. So mm -hmm. that also limits that, like, restricts what you can do and what you can't do. Uh, because they want to work within the stories they have planned and they want you to fill in the gaps for them in the comic books. And so it's, it's, it's a whole different world when you're working on a, a, a book that, uh, that has a series out there. Yeah. But that being said, I'm not a writer, so I don't have to worry about it. I would love yeah. to work on the <laughs> <laughs> no, for, for us, when we're writing William Shatner fighting Charlton Heston, it's just us deciding what happens. There's, there's, a, there's no, there's no new TV show that's going to contradict it. So that, that, that makes it a lot yeah. more fun. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely a lot trickier. And um, there, the people who are working on those are, are working often very closely with with CBS because it has to fit in with what. It's not a matter of being fitting with canon. It's a matter of fitting in with stuff they're working on that nobody else even knows about. So that 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 does make it a whole other kind of. Uh, different kind of project yeah and and you got a guy like mike johnson he's been Who's... running that race for so long <laughs> where he has to run up with either what the movies are doing or then he jumped over to the to the 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 uh discovery stuff and the kind of deadline crunches he gets put under and the changes they know he has to do with because of the way production works god bless him man <laughs> <laughs> I, I can already see strange new worlds planet of the apes crossover <laughs> <laughs> Start drawing Anson Mount with some apes now, JK. <laughs> Get ahead of the curve. There you go. That's money. That's I'm money on. in the bank. <laughs> I, I might get a commission from you, JK, for that. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So, guys, what, what projects are in the pipeline now? What, what can you tell us? Whether Trek, non-Trek, anything that's going on at the moment? Uh, D Space Nine issue number two just came out, yeah, and there are two more issues to go. And some great and, uh, JK covers for that, I should say. Yes, I, I love yeah, JK's retro uh, pulp covers are my favorite. <laughs> I actually, um, I can't believe they used that because I actually did like a mock-up. The, 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 I don't, I don't, forgive me, I don't know the designer's name that, that did the dressing for the covers, but I did something similar saying like can you try can you do something like this run this by cbs because i was worried they'll never want to change the logo right deep space nine logo but i thought like something a little more pulp would look cool so i designed all the covers to have that arching logo so i specifically left the space for it <laughs> and i was thrilled to see uh when it came out with that kind of dressing it was it just is. it looks great yeah, yeah it it's like i was thinking old uh Pulp Sci-Fi Magazine was what I wanted. Something Benny would write. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two um, issues of that to go, you were saying. Yes. Yeah. And then, JK, what are you working on these days? Um, so I'm finishing up, uh, like I said earlier, the uh, Gary Seven origin story, um, which will be coming out in November. And that's uh, Star Trek Year 5, Issue 17. So, guys, obviously, we'd like you to come back and, and talk about some other projects soon, especially the Q, the Q, the Q conflict. That would be brilliant. Thanks. 
Yeah, oh yeah, that'd be exactly. great. Yeah, we we that, that was a, that was a lot that was a crazy book and a lot of fun to do. So yeah, there yeah. there's some good there's some good stories of that one. <laughs> and and JK, of course, you're always welcome. And bring Daryl next time, and bring Tina too. Thank <laughs> 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 Hopefully, Tina's not been too bored for the last hour. So. <laughs> Well, she hasn't had her phone. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's in trouble after this, then. <laughs> but, but no, seriously, guys. So, for our listeners, how how can our listeners find out more about you, or where could they they stalk you on social media or anywhere like that? I'm on uh, Twitter at Scott underscore Tipton. I'm on Facebook just under Scott Tipton, and then. I also still do my weekly column uh, about comic book history at comics101.com. And I'm on Twitter at David underscore Tipton. And JK? Uh, uh, Twitter and the gram, uh, JK underscore Woodward. And uh, Facebook, uh, I have a page called The Art of JK Woodward. And how about Tina? How can oh, we find and, uh, Tina? <laughs> She's right here. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, I'm on the gram too, as JK and the kids call it. But unless you want nothing but pictures of action figures, that might not be for you. Oh, I, I, I've, I have to say, Scott, I, I do love your Saturday mornings, all the cartoons you watch, especially yeah. the Super Friends. <laughs> yeah, my, 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 my life in quarantine has led me back to these Saturday morning cartoons of my youth, so I, I curate my own Saturday morning every, every week now. He's regressed into a 12-year-old. <laughs> hey, man, it, 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 takes what it takes to get by. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know what? Nothing makes me happier than seeing those Spider-Man as amazing friend shots. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, thinking like a 12-year-old has been paying my rent for a few years now. So I'm not going to complain about it. Like I'm one to throw stones. <laughs> oh. So, so guys, thank you so much for coming on. It's been great. I, I think it's been at least one or two years since we've all spoken on some sort of podcast. So yeah. thank you so much for coming uh, and joining us. And um, we can't wait to speak to you all again soon. Yeah, great yeah, talking to you again. Great talking. Let's do this more often. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Take care. Well, that was great fun, wasn't it, Feeve? Yeah, I thought that was great. The guys were certainly a great laugh. Uh, it, it's it's like the crazy game when when the three of them get together. You, it's infectious, really. So you can see that how they work together. You see it on the page because they work so well together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. The, the, I think the three of them are the kind of guys you'd like to go to the pub with and have a couple of pints with and just listen to their stories all night long. And unfortunately, we can only borrow, borrow them for an hour tonight. So uh, it's, it's great fun. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's been a great night, and uh, thanks for having me on as your co-host on this week's edition. Well, I, I've already got in mind a few more comic comic book specials, especially if that's what the listeners would like, and uh, I'll be talking to you about those, so hopefully more to come, listeners. And in the show notes, we'll we're put some links to where you can find uh, each of those Mirror Universe stories and also the, the Q conflict that um, we mentioned, and certainly Star Trek Planet of the Apes, you've got to check that out. Mm -hmm. Yep, and you know, the wonderful thing is, uh, I know we're living in this kind of COVID world at the moment, so it's good to note that you can get all this stuff on Amazon, on Comixology, Google Books, Apple Books, um, the stuff's out there and you can get it today. So when you're listening to this and this sounds great and entertaining, you're like, hmm, I have to be honest, it's a great view of the Mirror Universe. Um, and I haven't seen this kind of thing in years since, you know, the usual writers did it in the novels. And that was fantastic. And this is a completely different telling. And I really enjoyed reading the books. So I, I do recommend it. Go out there, go online, go to your wherever you get your books and your ebooks from and give it a go. Absolutely. And and for the listeners, just like the novels, the, the comics literally started a year after the original series started airing. So there, there's over 50 years of Star Trek comics out there. there there's like 1,500 comics at least. 
and there, there's a, there's something for everyone from TOS to Voyager to New Frontier to um, Discovery uh, to Picard. There's comics for everybody out there. Yeah, and even the Kelvin timeline as well. They've got some fantastic books out as well, uh, both novels and comic books at the moment. So, you know, by all means, if you're sitting at home or if you're, you know, looking for something to do and, you know, your favourite TV shows aren't back yet, go on and uh, read some comics, get some books and, you know, support this fantastic franchise and stories are great. It's not like, you know, sometimes you get third party, you know, versions of things and they just don't ring true at all. The Star Trek stuff's really good. Pick up a book, pick up a comic book, audio books, you will not regret it. Absolutely. So um, that's it for this show. But don't forget, you can find us not only on off record, but also on the main show, The Captain's Table. Uh, Fever will be coming back soon, hopefully, to help us review more comic books, more novels. And Ros will be back soon, too. So thanks for listening. And uh, we hope to see you soon. Take care.